Leviticus chapter 20 and verse number 24, the Bible says, But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land. And I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Ye shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, and so on, between the fowl and all of these kind of things. God did some very distinct things to ensure that everybody knew that the Jews were different from other people. And that similarity is true spiritually for us. There are supposed to be things that are different from Christians and lost people. Amen. Right. Amen. From God's people to the devil's people. And we already covered uh, last week about the Lord commanding them, like in verse 22, to keep his laws and his commandments and his judgments and do them, that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. Amen? The land gets tired of the sin that's going on. And he said, Ye shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. So to answer the question of people saying, well, why would God endorse military action to wipe out all these people that was their land? The land was already sick of their wickedness. Yeah. And God used the children of Israel to drive them out of it and give the people of Israel a place to be. The word land is found 87 times in the book of Joshua. Significant. That's significant. The book of Joshua is a record of Israel entering into, conquering, and claiming the promised land. So I want to look at the land in the same way we did the servant this morning. There's uh, five things that I have about the land. First of all, if you look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 1, you're going to find that it was a land of possession. A land of possession. If you're taking notes, that's the first thing. This land was a land of possession. Deuteronomy 31, uh, sorry, that's my second thing. The, the first thing is, it's a land of promise. I'm sorry. Now you have to scratch out your page there. It's a land of promise. And I don't want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 31 yet. It's got Miss Maria right in a tizzy over there. She is the notebook queen. And she had to scratch something off. I'm sorry. I feel responsible. It was a land of promise. Now, there's a lot of verses here, so you want to write them down because we're not going to turn to every single one. But it's important for us to understand what God's Word says. It's not just me telling you something. Yeah. This is what the Bible says. It was a land of promise. So, not Deuteronomy, but go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. This is when God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. And he says unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make, thee, make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
And if you go all the way down through there, you're going to find God gives Abram a land. If you go down to verse number 15, not verse number 15, if you look in chapter 13 and verse 15, it says, For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. So God promised a land to Abraham. You're also going to see it in chapter 15, verses 7 and 18. Chapter 17, verse 8. And chapter 24, verse 7. In all of those passages, God reiterates His promise to Abraham that He will give him a land. Not only does he give that promise to Abraham, but when Abraham's son comes along in Genesis 26, he reaffirms that promise to Isaac. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 4 and 13 and 15, God reaffirms that promise to Isaac's son, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. So God made this promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph at the end of his life, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 24, says to his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. This promise of a land is all through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Throughout the Exodus, book of Exodus, and the whole Exodus experience of the children of Israel, <clears throat> this promise is reconfirmed many times. Next time you go through there, I encourage you, just you underline in a specific color every single time God reaffirms his promise. I could give you all these uh, references that I have written down here. Uh, if you don't believe me, come get them afterwards. It's repeated again in Leviticus. It's repeated again in Numbers. And in Deuteronomy, the word land shows up 182 times. God wants His people to go to the promised land. Wherever they went, they were reminded, there's a land I have prepared for you. And Christian friend, there's something you ought to realize. There is a land of promise, a Canaan land for the Christian. And it's not heaven. It's an abundant, victorious life right here. Right. Amen. It's a struggle for me to watch Christians be miserable. Amen. It's a struggle for me to watch Christians fight giants and never win. Climb mountains and keep slipping down. It's hard. Why? God wants you to go to that land. Amen. God wants you in His rest. Amen. God wants you to be able to experience what it is to have a heart full of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and all of those things. Amen? How many of you feel like you've reached the land of promise in your life? Don't raise your hand, but let me just ask that rhetorically. You say, I'm living in God's promised land of rest. You say, well, I don't know. There's an awful lot of things going on. Hey, there's a lot of things going on in Joshua. Right. You say, well, I'm still fighting this battle over here. I don't... There's a lot of battles being fought in Joshua. You say, well, there's some defeats. Well, there's some defeats in Joshua. That's right. But the thing is, they're in the land. Yeah. That's why Canaan land is not a real good picture of heaven. There's no battles in heaven. Right, right. There's no wars to be fought in heaven. They're over, amen? Right. 
This Canaan land is a land of rest, a land of peace, a land of joy in the midst of turmoil. And God wants that for you. You say, I don't have that. God wants that for you. Amen. Amen. Listen, the first thing he did, he said, you're going to have to go in there and wipe out these, you know, enemies. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to fight. Amen. But what a blessing it was to be in the land. It's a land of promise. You know, we have some sweet and precious promises. When we sing that chorus, every promise in the book is mine. Well, not every promise is. God didn't promise us this piece of land. But he did promise this. He did promise that all things would work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He did promise you that. Amen. You know when you can get that kind of mentality? When you're in the land. Amen. We should, I know this is Sunday night at quarter to six. It's been a long day and it's extremely hot in here. But you know, understand this. You say, he just hinted to turn the heat. I don't care what you do with the heat. I just care you stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. If it takes ice cubes to keep you awake, then ice cubes it is. Amen. But you know the thing about it is, I wish every one of you would get a longing for the land. Amen. You want to make it to the finish line? You're going to have to get in the land. Amen. Stop struggling in the wilderness. <coughs> Stop struggling between the things of the world, wanting those leeks and garlics and onions and the grapes and milk that flow in the land of promise. Amen. You've you got to cross over the Jordan and get in the land. Amen. Amen. There's a promise of God there. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I want to be in that land of promise. Amen. Amen. But you got, well, I don't want to get into next week's message, but I, I can't wait for it already. You got to cross over Jordan to get in the land. Amen? Amen. So it was a land of promise. Now go to Deuteronomy 31. So you can just put a little arrow there, Miss Maria. Just a two-sided arrow, one down, one, you know, and sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 31. <coughs> Amen. I, I like note takers in church. Why? How are you supposed to go home and search the scriptures if, if you don't ever take a note? Amen. It's good to take notes. I encourage you to. And you know what I learned? I don't even remember what I preached last week unless I had notes. You're not going to remember what I preached this week, next week, if you don't take notes. Amen. Deuteronomy 31, it was not only a land of promise, it was a land of possession. It was a land to be possessed. Amen. So, this water with all this, um, you know, junk and cough going around, this water is essential. This water is absolutely essential. And you know what? If that water's sitting there, but I can't reach it, it doesn't benefit me. I see it. I know what it can bring to me, but I can't grasp it. I can't get over It's not in my possession. Amen? You know, that really does me no good. You know, the longing will keep you going for a while. Knowing what it'll do for you will keep you going for a while. But if you don't take control of it at some point and grasp a hold of it, you're going to die. You're going to die. You've got to have the water. Amen? It's a land of possession. Deuteronomy 31. In Moses' farewell speech to Israel... 
he made it very clear that it was their responsibility to possess the land. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel and said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. You know what's an interesting thing that he says there? Because remember when he died, what God said? He hadn't waned in his strength at all. And yet he's saying, I'm not able. But he was. Amen. Also, the Lord has said unto me, thou shalt not go over this Jordan. There it is. He wasn't going because God said he wasn't going. Amen. It wasn't because he was 120. It was because God said you can't go. And he said, and the Lord thy God, verse 3, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. That's a good word to underline, possess. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. There it is again, look. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. It is a land of possession. Well, I tell you what, if you have promises like that, like, let's put this in New Testament vernacular. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Amen? I can do all things through Christ. Is that not like saying he'll go in and wipe out all the kings like he did Sihon and Og? Amen? We have the same God that they had. And the same physical battles they faced are the spiritual battles you face and our God is still able. You've got to possess the land. Amen? You've got to possess the land. Now, they owned that land. Wouldn't you agree with me? They owned that land. It was theirs. God had given it to them. But they needed to take a hold of it. They needed it in their hands. Amen? You know, God's given us some we have to get a hold of it. We have to get a hold of it. <coughs> Amen. Um, <coughs> I said uh, in Deuteronomy, land mentioned 182 times. It's actually 187 times now that I've come to it in my notes. I'm sorry. That's another little correction there. Please forgive me. And possesses, the word possess is in there 52 times. I think God wants them to possess the land. Amen. Now when they turned from God to idols, God first chastened them in the land and then he drove them out of the land to Babylon. And they stayed there for a while. When they came back into the land, this is a very interesting truth, friend, we should get a hold of. When they finally came back into the land, the glory was not there as it was before. And I'm going to tell you something about this land. You get in that land of promise. Amen. With God, in that rest with God, in that fruitful place with God, and you backslide, you can always repent. But when you get back in the land, it may not be like it was before. I've heard people say, you know, they got out of church and then they got back in churches. It's just not the same. No, it ain't. It's not going to be the same. All that former glory is not going to be there. 
And you're just going to have to learn how to deal with that. I'm telling you, when you get in that land, you possess that land, it's a good idea to stay in it. Not to run away, amen? I mean, stay with it. Possess it. Once you're in there, don't retreat. Don't retreat and don't be like those, don't be like those two tribes that wanted to inherit on the other side of Jordan. You need Jordan in your life. You need Jordan in your life. Amen. And their cheap altar they built on the other side of Jordan, amen, is a poor substitute for the real thing. Yes, you know, a lot of people get satisfied with that. Yes, sir. The few good moments, and they never really get the real, real thing. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, when you get the real thing, you'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all the fruits of the Spirit in the worst times of your life. It'll still be there. You know, as a pastor, I've had to go through some waters. Do you know what? The Lord's never left me. Amen. He's always been, some of you, you've been through some rough things. And sometimes you may not always be feeling it, but he's never left. Amen. Amen. You know what he wants for you in that storm? He wants you to keep that joy. He wants you to keep that peace. He wants you to keep that meek spirit. Amen. It's a land of possession. Land of possession. Look at Leviticus 26. Number three, it was a land of possibility. It was a land of possibility. I, I don't like hearing Christians say I can't. Amen. Amen man. Because this land where God takes you, it's a land of possibility. Endless possibility. Yeah, you know, if you just live within yourself, you just stay in your bubble and what you think is possible, you'll always be enough. Inconsequential. Man, if you, if you get in that land with the Lord, it, there'll be endless possibilities. Amen. In that land of promise. Leviticus 26 and verse number 1 again. Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image. Neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. Hmm. Uh, the sanctuary isn't just another room. Amen. It's time we learn that a little better around here. This, 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 this room here we call the sanctuary. I, I feel like this is a holy place. If you just treat it like any other room and just real casual and just like who cares, that's the kind of thing you'll get out of it. This is where we meet with the Lord, amen? I can't believe that we can't remember from one week to the next that we ought to reverence this sanctuary. But we seem to struggle with that from time to time. I encourage you, teach your children how to respect this house of God. Amen. He said, reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season and the land <coughs> shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely and I will give peace in the land. And ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. 
Doesn't that sound like the millennial kingdom to you? Yeah. Huh. You mean God want to establish an earthly kingdom with his people? Yeah. Just imagine what could have been if Israel had have done this. You realize what he's saying there? I'll rend the evil beasts out of your land. You chase your enemies and they'll fall before you by the sword. It's a land of possibility. You got, a, you got a giant that you can't slay? Maybe you got a giant of bitterness. Maybe you, maybe you have a giant of regret. Maybe you have a giant of a horrible habit. You can't seem to get the victory. Well, maybe, maybe you're lacking in some of these. Maybe there's an idol in your life. Maybe you're not honoring the Lord. He said, he told them if they would do these things, he said, I'll make it rain. You'll bring forth so much fruitfulness. He said, the land, the land floweth with milk and honey. The land had natural attributes that made it rich. He said, all you got to do is move in there and obey me and keep my commandments and reverence me as God and I'll pour out the blessings of the land upon you. Yeah. You ever wonder, listen, Natural resource-wise, do you realize that Africa is the richest continent in the world? Yeah. But they cannot manage their resources. That's right. And they don't worship the God of heaven as a general rule. That's right. There are great civilizations that have risen up and disappeared. Why? No blessing of God. You want the blessing of God in your life? And I'm not, listen, when I talk about this in this series of messages, I'm not talking about a big fat bank account. And I'm not saying that God's going to give you perfect health. I'm trying to tell you the blessing of God often can't be counted or seen. That's right. But if you want God's blessing poured out in your life, the presence of God in your life, it's an endless possibility. But there's a little bit of conditions. You're going to have to fight those battles. You're going to have to face those mountains. You're going to have to cross those rivers. You're going to learn next week the first step to possessing the land is dying to yourself. And that's no small feat. You know, there's 12 stones. Here we go. There was 12 stones erected on the side of Jordan people could see, and there was 12 stones left in the bottom that nobody could see. Yeah. Interesting, huh? You've got to be raised to walk in newness of life. It's a new life in a new land. Right. Amen? A new life. It's, there's endless possibilities. It was not only a land of possibility and a land of possession and a land of promise, but it was a land of plenty. It was a land of plenty. You know, isn't it sad that some of the best churches, I mean, preach the truth of the Word of God are some of the smallest? These mega churches, man, they put up the big screens and they get a little sissy britches up there that hardly says anything, just shares a little truth, a little, little sharing. You know, well, I'll tell you, since it's just us, what my grandfather used to say, he said, why don't you tell those guys to pull down their pants, see how many yards of lace they got on their underwear. 
That's the way they used to. He said that, didn't he? How many times can you remember? All the time he'd say that. He'd say that about those guys. Sissy britches is nicer. See? I think. <laughs> but you know what? You're never going to get into the land of promise and that kind of religion. That's right. Nobody ever, all they do is push you to give a little more money or push you to bring a few more folk, but they're not looking for you to excel in your Christian life. And you know, pushing people to excel in their Christian life makes some people really uncomfortable. Amen. But so be it. So be it. The ratio of those that wanted to win versus those that didn't was 10 to 2. You know, that's about it in the church. If you've got 12, about 2 will get in. The other ten will be satisfied just to hang around in the wilderness. Well, the question to ask, folks, is which percentage part are you? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's the craziest thing to me is if we broke that percentage down in this church, there's a good majority of you that you like the idea of going in. You like what's over across the Jordan. You like what you see, but you don't want to invest to get in it. I would like to think... That a, a church where the truth matters, where the Bible matters, would shoot for a little higher percentage than that. Yeah, amen. It's a land of plenty. You could spend so much effort trying to make God look so good, but God looks good on his own. Yeah. You can't see the benefit of living for God. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 said, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. It's a good, listen, I preached a while ago on the fight. Paul said, fight the what? Good fight. It's a good fight. Amen. You might have to have a battle, but it's a good fight. Yeah. Amen, it's a good fight. You know, I love, I love that about hockey. It's the only sport where you're allowed to fight. Like, really, go at it. Drop the bare knuckle right there. And you know what? I'll admire anybody that'll do it. Win or lose. There's some of those big old bruisers and you get some of these smaller guys drop the gloves with that and you're thinking, man, all right. They may not win every time, but they'll fight. Yep. Amen. It's, it's a good land. It's worth fighting to get into it. Yeah. A land of brooks of water. Who doesn't like that? Of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Are you drawing a picture? You know, think of the most beautiful pastoral type setting of a painting you've ever seen in your life. And it was better than that. <coughs> a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive, and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Oh, I like that. <laughs> thou shalt not lack anything in it. I like that. A land who, you say, yeah, but pastor all the famines. Yeah, but, yeah, but they served other gods. Yeah, right. It wasn't the land's fault. It was the people's fault. Yeah. It's not the land. The land was a good land. That's right. But the people weren't good people. That's right. And the problem's not your church. That's right. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's not that it's not a good church. Amen. It's that there's bad people. Everybody always points at, you know, it's so funny when people get all stirred up and upset. Amen? It never upset 
the 90. I like that illustration. Brother Mark McGay, he gives about his brother married five times. He said, oh, they're all stupid hags. All wicked women. He said, well, Brutus, seems to be one common denominator with all those women. <laughs> you! <laughs> Remember that? I mean, you heard it 50 times. <laughs> right? It's a good story, though. Amen. Maybe if you're always having problems with others, maybe you're the problem. <laughs> oh, I can't get along with you. Well, can't get along with anybody. Yeah. You shall eat bread without scarcity, shall not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then shalt thou bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given. You know why it's hard for some Christians to bless God? They're not in the land. Right. You can experience hardship and bless God's name if you're dwelling in the land. That's right. Amen. <coughs> the goodness of the land is contrasted with the barrenness of Egypt in Deuteronomy 11.10. It says, for the land, whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt from whence he came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. You know, they sowed into that Egyptian culture and what they reap of it. More hardship, more slavery, more bondage. He said, oh, this land's not like that land. That's right. You can, you, listen, I'm going to give you a promise. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know that works for the good as well as the bad? He said, you sow a seed of goodness in that land of plenty, and you know what you're going to reap? Bountiful goodness. Plenty of goodness. Amen. He said, you'll sow a seed there. Amen. I'll give you the increase. Amen. It was a good land. A good land. It was a land of plenty. It was to be Israel's rest, her inheritance, the dwelling place of God. God said he wanted to dwell there. He said, for ye are not as come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. There shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Amen. We heard a great message on that, Midwinter Revival. Amen. Amen. I want the Lord's name to be here in this church, but I'll tell you what, friend. I want the Lord's name to be here in my life. Amen. Amen. Good churches don't make good people. Good people make good churches. Amen. You want a, a church that possesses the land, amen, and that lives in that abundance of the land? It needs some people who are living in it. Amen. You know, rest is also a reoccurring theme in the promised land. Joshua 1:13, 15, 11, 23, 21, 44, 22, 4, 23, 1. God wants you to have a place of rest. Look it up for yourself. I mean, get Sword Searcher on your computer. It's the best Bible study tool. It'll tell you exactly how many times every single word shows up in any book you want to look in. Great Bible study tool. Amen. It costs you 60 bucks American. And it's probably worth more than your whole library. It's an excellent tool. Excellent tool. Amen. Ezekiel, look, Ezekiel, for the sake of time, calls Canaan the glory of all lands. In Ezekiel 20 and verse 6. 
and 20 in verse 15. He said that land flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. You want to shine for God? You want to be a light in the world that we're living in? Get in the land. Get in the promised land. Get in the place of blessing. Amen. It'll shine so bright. You know very well. Listen. Take this the right way, please. I don't want a people to be attracted to this church because somehow they have this idea that we're a rebellious bunch of people against governmental authorities. In other words, I don't want people to be drawn to this church based on how we respond to government overreach. Well, we're going to go there because they're non-compliant. I want people to be drawn here for what they see of Jesus in me. So that when they come here, they don't want a bunch of rebels. They want Jesus. They want more of Jesus. They want more of what the Lord, of the Lord that they see in us. I want them to see somebody who's full of love and joy and peace and full of God's presence. And that's what draws them. And you know what? That will draw them a lot slower. <coughs> you notice that? People aren't drawn to nice people anymore. Much. They're drawn to rebellious spirited people. Hard headed, hard nosed people. Isn't that crazy? You know why I want people to come? Is because they say, you know what? I've never seen a church love like that church. I've never seen people with such joy of the Holy Ghost. I've never seen, look, they've gone through some things, but do you see the peace in their life? Wow, you know, they were really mistreated by that Cider Fest committee, but you know what? They just went right on. Long-suffering, patient. Amen. That's what we want people to be drawn to. Amen. Amen. Daniel calls it, he calls it the pleasant land. Daniel called it that in chapter 8 and verse 9 and chapter 11 verse 16, a pleasant land. You know, it's a pleasant land. Amen. I, you know, I've never wanted to farm. No interest in farming. But I sure do love that setting. If somebody else is chucking the manure and milking the cows and I can look at it, I'm happy. Oh, and drinking the milk a little bit. But man, it's just beautiful. You go over there on the Clarence Road back there and just drive through there and try and ignore the potholes. But the Leckermans, the spot they bought over there in Leonardburg, what a view. They got Cook's Farm up here looking at, I mean, to me that's just beautiful. To me that's pleasant land. It's pleasant. It's pleasing. <laughs> Amen? You know, you imagine whatever, if you, if you like to be living on a rock right out over the ocean and that's pleasant to you, that, God, this is a pleasant land. It's to be desired. <laughs> Amen? It's a pleasant land. Amen? It's a land of plenty. It's a land of plenty. Yeah. And it's not a land where you go to consume the lust of your flesh. Amen. Not plenty like that. It's not where you go to get your American Canadian <laughs> dream fulfilled. It's not like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Amen. But it's a place of peace and contentment. You know, there's people living in that land that don't have much. But they're the happiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's people living in that land that all they have is a few friends and a King James Bible. 
and a God in heaven, but they're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Down here they live in a thousand square feet and drive a 15, 20 year old vehicle. But they have the joy of the Lord. Amen. And they probably have inheritance laid up in heaven that wouldn't fit in their thousand square foot house. Amen. It was a, it was a land of plenty. Lastly, look at Ezekiel chapter 5. Ezekiel chapter 5. Ezekiel 5 and verse 5, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. Can I say that it is a land of great importance? It's a land of great importance. Jerusalem, Israel is the lifeline of the world. God chose Israel to be the stage on which the greatest plan of the world was laid. A Savior. Born. Amen. It's a place of great importance. God did not save you for you to live out your rest of your years in this life in misery. He prepared a land. It's a wonderful, wonderful land. I don't know if you have any ability to transport yourself back in time. But how would your feeling have been being just on the brink of Jordan knowing that God's promised land was just on the other side. And you could look out over Jordan and see it. The smells of the land were coming across the river and you could smell it. What, I don't know how you would have been. But man, I would have been like, can we build some boats here or something? <laughs> can we go to the land? I know that's the way Abe was when they, when they first got here. He was like, the land, the land, let's go to the land, let's see the land. Yes! There's a land that God has prepared for us. It's a land to possess. It's a land that's been promised. It's a land of possibilities. It's a land of plenty. And it's important that you get there. Amen. Now let me ask you a question. Will you take the crossing with me? 